In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. Do you realize how insane everything sounds tonight with Peter's epistle? We have come through to chapter 4 here tonight. The first couple of chapters have talked about things like unity and love. And now tonight, Peter begins to wrap up his epistle, and he talks about in chapter 4 something that sounds completely insane. Suffering. We don't like suffering. We don't like loss. We don't like sadness. We do not like division or mourning. We just don't like to be sad and disappointed. I mean, here we are on a rainy night. When I first came here tonight, it was sunny, and now it's raining once again. Things are gray and gloomy outside, and all of a sudden, we come in here tonight to hear the word of God, and Peter says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal when it comes upon you. Why should cross and trial grieve me? <laughs> oh, I don't know about you, but I, read, I sang that, heard that being sung by the choir, and it almost makes you want to laugh. We sound insane. Why are you letting suffering get to you? Why are you letting the trials, all of the things that you're going through, why are you letting it make you sad? Why is it something that's bringing you down? Christ is near with his cheer. Where? Where's his cheer? I don't know about you, but it'd be nice to see it come upon us in something that seems like it's glowing and radiating and gives us warmth and comfort and makes us feel good about who we are. It makes us feel like we have a hope, like we have a future. Peter said it last week, do not be one who goes out unaware, but give a hope that resides, give confidence to the hope that resides within you. But why should cross and trial grieve me? If you actually go back and read that hymn, that we sang right before the reading, it really kind of pours salt in the wounds. When life's troubles meet me, though wait, they may be great, they will not defeat me. God, my loving Savior, sends them. What? Do you realize that this is one of the biggest reasons why most people do not come to church anymore? or why they just don't come to church, period? They don't believe in God? Because we talk about God being love. We talk about God being wonderful and holy and mighty and awesome and powerful. And there are those out in this world who look at the chaos, the destruction, the tears, the war, the medications, the funeral homes and the cemeteries, and they will look you and me flat in the face and say, why would your God ever allow something like this to happen? If your God is so loving and wonderful, why does he allow suffering and grief? Why does he allow our loved ones to die from cancer or from being shot in the streets or from war or from a pandemic? This sounds crazy. And it is. I spoke to a Christian just a few days ago, not a member of this church, who was going through a terribly difficult time, really hard time. And this person told me, 
Well, I know that if I just put my trust and hope in Christ, everything's going to turn out just fine. He's got a plan for me, and it's going to be okay. And I sat back with this person for a moment, and I said, do you really feel that way? And she said to me, I don't know how to respond to that. And I said, well, what do you think I'm wanting to hear? Well, I don't know if I could actually tell you how I feel. I think I might have to maybe go to confession for saying how I feel. And I looked at this person and simply said, then tell me. Tell me exactly what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Tell me exactly how it is that you have been wronged by these people or this person. Tell me what exactly is on your heart and mind. Rather than looking at God and saying, you're just wonderful, you're awesome, I hope you give me a plan and I hope you give me a way that was going to make a bright shining light and a rainbow and clouds and everything else for me in this life. But in our heart of hearts, we're looking at things through the lens of the cross, the cross of Jesus. And at times, as we heard last week and as we heard here even tonight with Peter, God allows these things. He allows these things to happen to us. And I don't like that, and neither do you. But it at least gives us some sense of an answer. God is not like some watchmaster or puppet master in the sky with strings connected to you saying, ha, 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 look at how they suffer and they malign each other and look at all of these things that they do. Oh my goodness, what a big mess they've gotten into. God does not look upon us and some great big chair in the sky. He comes down to us. He becomes flesh for us. Why? Because I don't show the love that I should show for you and for others around me. Because I don't speak well of people like you and others around me. Because I do not show mercy to people like you and others around me. Because I want to live for myself. I want to bury the suffering, the trials, and the hopeless feelings at times. And I want to make myself out to be God. Why does God allow suffering and everything else to happen? It's because we constantly are breaking the first commandment when we look in the mirror. And if you think that's not the case, then just take a look at your life and the lives of everybody around you and see just what kind of bright, happy, cheery future it seems like we are going to have. Ugh. I don't know about you, but I don't really have a lot of hope. I'm actually saying too many times these days, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Take me out of a job. Let's get on with this party called heaven. When he sends me sadness, God is good. His love attends me day by day. Come what may, guides me and defends me. 
Do you want to know what the hope is that we have that resides within us? It's not some sticky, sweet, plasticky feeling that gives us a shiver up our spine. The hope that resides within us is is that God came to us. He came to that which is his own, and his own would not receive him. He came not to say, hey, I've come to set up an earthly kingdom to make all of your troubles and your worries and your fears go away. He came to take on all of our sin, our suffering, our shame, our guilt, even our death. That is why Peter said here tonight, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. If any man comes after me, take up his cross and follow. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Why does God allow these things to happen? I don't know. I ask those questions just like you do, but I also know that we as Christians believe in a God who has suffered in every sort of way, who has been tempted in every sort of way, yet without sin for us and for our salvation. He is not a God who looks at you with sympathy. He looks at you with empathy. And if you don't know what the difference is, sympathy is simply saying, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. Empathy says, I've been there. I've been abandoned, I've been maligned, I've suffered loss, I've suffered hunger and thirst, I've even suffered the worst that the devil could throw at me through the fiery trial of the cross, and I have won victoriously for you. And you are now followers of the way, Christians, People who look at you and me and say, you guys are nuts for all of this talk that you believe and that you hold on to. And yet Peter says here tonight, no matter what happens, expect it. But not only that, as you go out, love covers a multitude of sins. One of the ways that he talks about love here tonight is through hospitality. We think of hospitality as like, hey, we're going to have a committee with cake and donuts and coffee and hot chocolate. Do you know what the word hospitality means? It means the love of strangers. Why do you think it's called a hospital? Most of the people who go to the hospital, apart from maybe having a birth of a baby or something else like that, most of those people are suffering They're ill. They're in need of healing and medication. And the hospital basically says, we don't care who you are, where you've come from. We don't even know you, but we will show you love and we will show you mercy. Peter says that's what we are to do as well. Show love to the stranger. Being merciful, being kind-hearted, 
being one who speaks the things of God and not lives as if they are living for the world. Yes, people might look at you and say, oh, aren't you just a goody-two-shoe little Christian? But in the end, love will cover a multitude of sins. And maybe, just maybe, the love of Christ will win somebody over in and through you because Christ is already living in and through you as well. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal when it comes upon you to test you. To test you as though something strange were happening, but rejoice. God doesn't look at you as his little lemmings that he likes to see get into all of our messes and everything else in life. He comes down to us to serve us, not to be served. He comes down to us to suffer and to be lifted up for all mankind. And you may notice where we're going to end here tonight. Peter says in all of this, it begins with the household of God. You are the ones in baptism who have been changed. You are the household of God. You are the children of God. And so you live and you look at this world differently than everybody else out there does. You're not better. You're not stronger. You're not wiser or anything else like that. But you do know how to look upon suffering and mourning and sadness. You do know to call upon him in the day of trouble, and he will deliver you. You do know as brothers and sisters in Christ that we are to bear with one another in their burdens. We go out as salt and light, and as Luther says, little Christs to a suffering, dark, and dying world to show love and mercy and Christ's righteousness to a world that would mock ridicule and crucify Jesus, but in all ways so that he may have you as his own people. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Not really a motivational speaking that I'm sure you were looking forward to tonight. Maybe you've gotten used to that with me. I'm the giant needle that just pops the balloon. But nonetheless, Christ has delivered you. He's delivered you even though you live in a world full of sin and shame and guilt and suffering. He walked out of that empty tomb to promise you that no matter what we face, we do not suffer alone. He empathizes with us. And because he empathizes with us, he dies with us. And because he dies with us, we rise with him. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.